This chair is driving me to drink. Speaking of that, welcome to Across the Rail Podcast. Methodist lay people dishing hot takes on current events, church stuff, and cultural issues. Our episode today discusses a biblical view of the common American legal vices. We also discuss other extra-biblical prohibitions and the Methodist Church's role in the temperance movement of the 19th century. And also, whether we need to relax, strengthen, or ignore these issues entirely. Warning, we're not the men in black from the pulpit, but from the pews across the rail. Our episode today is entitled, We Don't Smoke, Drink or Chew, or Tolerate Those Who Do. So where is the line to be drawn on the church's view of the quote-unquote common vices? What are other extra-biblical prohibitions that really have no bearing on our spiritual relationship with God? And what is the difference between alcohol and weed, and why? But before we open this industrial-strength can of worms, who's here? Ryan. Jody. <clears throat> and John. Jody's here? Yes. Wow, that's a blast from the past. That is great. They actually invited me back, folks. Well, okay. <laughs> well, no, it's good to have you back. It is good to have you back, Jody. That's right. It's probation. It, it just kicked in. So. Together. Whatever. So, you know, it's interesting. Since the, and I'm just going to throw it out to you guys with this little, little sentence here. Since the United States was primarily settled by Christians and other European immigrants with a strong Judeo-Christian ethos. What is the U.S.'s short early history with alcohol and tobacco? Uh, I think uh, I think the United States likes it. <laughs> Just like That's it. a blinding flash of the there, yeah. Okay. I, I think uh, it being both industries are multi-billion dollar industries, so you have a few smokers and drinkers that are out there. Well, Tobacco was here long before we got here. Number one. Do tell. Uh, Sounds like a man of history. Not really so much. I just happen to know that. Uh, so tobacco was here long before, and I would be willing to bet that the Native Americans probably had some way of making alcohol as well and weed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they might have had some kind of fermented beverage. I, I, I'm not real sure. You know, they actually have. But I know they had tobacco, and they, I know they had. They actually have. Connect, uh, connect is the term. Yes. What did you just call me? Connect, connect. Connect, connect. That's the Indian word. I forget which Indian language, but that's what they call tobacco. Oh, okay. Uh, I, so I just learned something there. Connect, connect. By the way, so, tobacco is native to the Western Hemisphere and not Europe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it was here before we got here. But I digress. Exactly. Yes. So, you know, so we just furthered that industry when we got here. Okay. We'll turn it into cash you know that uh uh in the uh in nature itself on there they have proven that monkeys and elephants would get drunk on fruit that have dropped to the ground and fermented so you know alcohol has been around since the creation of animals so so are you saying that that the fermentation process is a natural is a natural byproduct of bacterial intermixing with fruit sugars and yep so yep. it's actually a chemical thing. Yes. Okay. Jody, you look uh, raring to go. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> the uh, I don't like drinking or smoking either one, but uh, I have been known to occasionally drink. Uh, as far as our history with alcohol, uh, I guess up until the early 1900s, uh, it was probably fairly status quo. And then you got a bunch of uh, women that uh, started to protest pretty hard. Uh, they were the uh, Women's Christians uh, Temperance. Temperance Society. Yeah. And then they joined up with another group of people called the, uh, oh, goodness gracious. Help me out, Greg. The... Uh, the fun well, women's the women's temperance Christ, women's christian temperance union was founded and and aided and abetted by the methodist episcopal mm. church both north and south uh after the after yeah. the civil war now allow me to interject just a wee bit of history since since i i kind of dug into that um the first thing that the pilgrims 
uh, we're 1620, so that's uh, that's mid 17th century, mm -hmm. um, or actually early 17th century. The, the first building they got here when they got off the boat, you know what it was? Uh, uh, I don't know, liquor store, brewery, church, church. Oh, and it so had, it had, so it had, it had a liquor had, store in the back. Hang on, and it had swinging thick windows. I've seen drawings and pictures of it. it was very thick hardwood, and it had the shape of a cross which was actually good because that way they could elevate their muskets up and right. down and left right. and right, right in the church. So that was a place of a common defense. The mm -hmm. second outbuilding they built before they built shelters for each other. Was a saloon. Was what? A saloon. A brewery. A brewery. Okay. There yeah, you go. One of the top okay. Ones. Do we know why that is? Uh, no. Okay. In Europe, where you had agricultural animals, you had people bathing, people using slop jars and using, there was no indoor plumbing, right. and people dumping all manners of things into rivers, streams, creeks. So hygiene was a in question. It was a problem. Yeah. Pure water was a problem unless you had a very deep well on a very high hill. Because right. if you were at the bottom of the hill with agricultural animals yeah. above, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they they knew that one thing that sometimes when they drank water they got sick, mm -hmm. and sometimes they got sick and died. But when they drank alcohol, they never died. In fact, the priests gave out alcohol after that was kind of a hey come to church we give out drinks afterward. It was considered for the goodness of the health to drink alcohol. Children drank it. People drank it. Well, you, all know, you know, it's funny you say that because in, in modern times now, in when, when you travel in Europe on there, it's not uncommon to see uh, young kids uh, have have beverages that have alcohol in them. And, and, and when you compare the the alcohol abuse versus the United States on there, I, I think I, I think because it's been introduced to them at such an early age on there, it's not it's not this. It's not taboo. Yeah. Well, it wasn't taboo because if you yeah. wanted to live, you right. drank alcohol. Exactly. Right. It's kind of like nowadays, if you want your kids to do well, you have them drink milk, you know, for strong bones and teeth and all the right reasons. So every parent worked her salt, made sure their kids got ale and wine and beer along with them. In fact, the first Thanksgiving, it was not a, there was not age restriction between children and adults. They all partook. Mm. Okay. Uh, many times when, when, when you, when they started figuring out how to grow their crops, uh, what they would do with their extra grain and corn, because they didn't have big wagons, they didn't have freeways. So rather than try to, you know, drag bushels and bushels of crops across the county, they, they put, put, put it in, put a, in a barrel and, and it's a lot easier and they could get more money for it. Right. And it didn't, and it didn't, uh. So that's what they would always do with the end of their corn crop and the end of their Your grains and stuff like that. Correct. You know, it almost reminds me of that uh, university in Tennessee, uh, their uh, fight song, you know, where they talk about getting their corn, corn from a, a jar. jar. There you that's go. That's it. So it's it's a kind of a necessity thing. And you got to realize that that people do what has kept them safe. They continue to do that, even though they change real estate. Because they don't know. None of those are chemists. None of those are molecular biologists. They don't know what is killing them, but they do know now, if I drink and make this, I survive and thrive. Now, didn't that uh, woman's movement uh, happen because uh, they, were, yes. they were tired of, of the yes. men going okay. out and getting drunk and spending all the money? And, That's exactly right. So yeah. fast forward from 1620 to about the founding of the United States. Uh, per capita liquor consumption was huge, higher than it is today. In fact, the peak per capita consumption of grain alcohol spirits, high proof stuff, mm -hmm. peaked right before the Civil War. We still don't drink as much as they did prior to the Civil War. So what that, how that manifested itself was during the Civil War, they found it increasingly problematic and tough to get soldiers to do what they were doing. They would always find hooch. They would always make it. They would all, it was a problem. And both Northern and Southern generals were marked in many diaries of I read that if they could just get rid of alcohol, they could, it was a scourge yeah. in the army. Right. And, and many times you'd find soldiers and when they would, 
take over a union or Confederate camp. They would loot the camp looking for liquor and they'd stop fighting. Mm-hmm. And back when you didn't have aircraft and you didn't have uh, mm-hmm. uh, electronic communications, if you didn't see where this regiment or brigade was, they could be looting the camp and basically out of the battle when you perhaps needed them in a, in a I mean, it was just horrible. Hmm. So but one of the big things is the young officers coming out of there. Of course, two, there were great revivals during the Civil War. And they saw, huh, if we can regain our spiritual emphasis after this horrible tragedy of this war and get rid of this scourge of drunkenness, that's a twofer. Mm-hmm. Thus began, began the temperance movement, which culminated through the help of primarily the Methodist Episcopal Church in the 1919 passing of the Bolstead Act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had another group of individuals, the Anti-Saloon League, and they locked step with them on that. You know, an interesting thing, though, uh, you didn't roll back the clock nearly, or the calendar nearly far enough. I mean, just outside of the Garden of Eden is when man started drinking fermented beverages. Mm -hmm. And it was for all the reasons that you said. So it goes way back. Right. You know, right. so 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 here's the question I pose on there. You know, if if we had such a bad drinking problem here uh, during the Civil War, what do you think the reason for that was? Was it because it was a coping mechanism? Uh, that's exactly what. That's exactly right. And and I think if you jump forward in today's society, it may not be alcohol, may not be tobacco. We're seeing a scourge of uh, illegal drugs. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the meth and Opiates. and the, the opioid lack of exercise, yeah. medical issues, uh, uh, organic foods that may be causing or or lack of, of personal or- contact. You know, they're sitting in their mother's basement Stress. eating Doritos, John, meth, read, playing video games. You know, in, in school, I read a book called the, "The Good Old Days." They were horrible, yeah. and basically, it talked about it talked about American life from the, basically the 19th century, from the beginning of the 1800s to the turn of the century in the 1900s, and it was hard. Oh, I mean, it was hard, and death was omnipresent. Most families buried two or three of their children mm-hmm. before they grew up and were married it was bad it was hard back-breaking work and if it and if a man could just get a little yeah. bit of squeezings on a saturday night when he had a little bit by of time, golly break out by the golly, that's what go. they did and and because isolation in the frontier was so great mm. when you couldn't work anymore because it was dark right. what do you do yep. you drink yeah. yep. until you fall asleep and rinse and repeat yeah you know you think about it you know You've heard the saying, war is hell. Imagine the particular hell that went on during the uh, Civil War. You had the tale of two armies, two militaries. One pretty well covered with all the basics. The other ones, you got guys on the southern side didn't even have shoes, let alone right, coats. Right. You know, you think about the guys in World War One and Two, and you hear about trench foot and stuff. Yeah, uh, I would say that if you weren't in your right mind, you know, uh, you, you would have been nuts. Yeah, you would have. And, and that yeah. was probably a way, but, you know, obviously this is a sword, a double-edged sword. Right. What was meant to be a coping mechanism turned out to, uh, you know, destroy families. You know, during that particular time uh, in the, like, early 1920s, most manufacturing facilities of that day were against the alcohol, and they were behind this drive to eliminate. Hey, you didn't know when your guy was going to come in, if he's going to be able to do his job without having an accident. Yeah. Get a bunch of drunk men down in a coal mine yeah. and see if bad things Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, 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 there's no question that <laughs> prohibition was birthed from a religious pushing. And, a society, and an answer to a grave society yeah. Drunkenness. Yeah. Okay. So, so here the, you guys are not even even touching the 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 uh, the, the, the big point. thing right there. You know, people made a boatload of money off of it, under and that was a drive. I mean, you, maybe in the cities, but in the frontier and from the part of the country I'm from, they drank their own. Yeah. 
Well, they made their own. Well, a little microbrew, <laughs> yeah. if you will. <laughs> microbrews what are nothing new. What you're really <laughs> alluding to, I think, is basically during the period of Prohibition. The prohibition. When, the, when the mob really got its foot bootlegged on there. And, and, and then the United States government found out just how much money they can get from taxes on, on Hooch. That on was there. down the road. Well, let me, mm -hmm. let me steer this. Now, we kind of got a background of, of, of the cultural grip that alcohol or the cultural story of alcohol in the united states i mean it came over on the boat from europe so that that's kind of how we got it uh, but let's let's move on to the second question is what does the bible and what is the history of the bible with alcohol and what is it said downrange if god is consistent then his stand on yay nay or i don't care ought to be consistent, right? Greg, the, the real stand is on drunkenness. That, it's that's not it. on that's, the, yeah. Yes, Jody for the win. You hit the nail on the head right there. But now if you ask ask a Baptist on there, you know, it's against, you know, which you know, which leads yes, me to we don't have a Baptist. Well, we thing. had a we've Listen, had a recovering Baptist. Just here. because they don't speak to each other at the liquor store. Well, you that ruined my joke right thing. there, but, but uh, I was gonna say to send somebody yeah. else in to do the purchase. That's right. <laughs> I was gonna say, what well, you know, what's the you know what's the difference between a Baptist and an Episcopalian? The Episcopal will talk to you in a liquor store. On there, so you're you're absolutely right on there. I, I think I think well, even the Episcopals can drink in church. Yeah, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, Welsh is there. By the way, uh, I have a few verses uh, about how how the Bible addresses alcohol uh, in in several contexts. And before I start reading these one or two or sometimes three or four verse wonders and discussing them, I have to use the uh, uh, Asbury uh, New Testament scholar Ben Witherington his famous quote: uh, "A text." without pretext yeah. is a uh, uh or text without context boy i screwed that uh, let's try again take a two. text without context is a pretext for my own text yeah meaning i can make it say anything i want to say so i have to and, look and i think that happens all the time we're all third-party yeah. spectators to a conversation long ago that's exactly right so i'm going to start with one that i heard all my life uh uh growing up and it's it's uh, it's in Proverbs, the, the, the 23rd chapter, and I think it's verse 29 through 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try to mix wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies at the top of a mass. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink, end quote. <laughs> now, there's a lot in there, there but what this is primarily talking about is the dangers not of drinking, the dangers of drunkenness. Yes. I was going to say that almost sounded like a country song right there. Well, it could yeah. be, you know. Um, that also sounded like a really refined wine, too, you know. <laughs> well, now let's let's break it down because there are two types of alcoholic yeah. beverages alluded to in in the Old Testament, and I use the Old Testament because it has a basis. longer. That's the basis and longer uh, history. Uh, one is um, yayin. Uh, the Greek calls it oinos which is new wine, new wine fermented right. wine, okay? Right. And the strong drink is shimar, and that is that is uh, basically high-proof stuff, stuff yeah. that is uh, distilled, you know, may have an alcoholic base, a brew or a wine, and then they throw it in and distill it again, and right. it's high-octane stuff. So those are the two words, Hebrew words, that, that, and that, that we use for wine or new wine and strong drink. Mm -hmm. So, does anybody else have any commentary on those? I'll go to that verse. Proverbs 20, verse it. 1. Wine is a mocker. Yes, strong yes. drink is raging. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You know, I've got that same verse in a different uh, version. Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawl. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so now, but, but doesn't the Bible say it's not what you put in, it's what you And that's put exactly out? right. You know, that's so, exactly so if, right. if, if, if I have a, a glass of wine on there, and, and I guess this boils down to the question, what is the level? And I know it's different well, for every, everybody. I ask you, John, okay. have you gotten into a bar fight after a glass of wine? No. Have you gotten in a bar fight after a bottle of Jameson? A whole bottle? Yes, probably. Okay. <laughs> See the difference? There well, the line. I, 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 I completely understand that. And every person every person's going to be different on there. Is drunkenness considered, I've had two drinks and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. When you start speaking, your carnal mind is when you've had too much to drink. Okay. Jody, you, you've stumbled into brilliance there because that, that's the whole thing. I mean, not only does drunkenness hurt you, it's a sin first and foremost. Right, right. It, it hurts you. It hurts the people you love. Second of all, it lowers your inhibition so you right. can drag yes. other people down. Yep. Right. Yep. I would agree with that 100%. In fact, I'm going to use Habakkuk. Bless you. Habakkuk <laughs> 2.15. Woe to you. Woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix in your venom even to make them drunk so as to look on their nakedness. Wow. Wow. I've heard that, and, you know, don't drink. Well, let's look at the context. What is this saying? It says, if you make your neighbors drink and you mix it super strong, so to look at their nakedness, what you're trying to do is lower somebody's inhibitions take so advantage. you can take advantage right. of them. Right. That's what that is saying. Not necessarily don't drink anything out, but the, the ulterior motive, the lowering of the inhibitions when we lose control, that's the sin against God. Okay. Well, too, especially in the Old Testament, I mean, it, it was uh, it was crucial that you remain covered. And so if somebody saw you in your nakedness with no covering, I mean, it was the ultimate shame. And a good example of that would be our uh, our uh, buddy Noah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Noah, after being cramped up with everybody and all those animals, yeah. what's the first thing he did when he got off that there? Yeah. Yes, he did. And unfortunately... <laughs> What, what happened though? Uh, Find me some grapes. Uh, why know. is it every time I've been drunk, I get nervous? Why is, <laughs> why is that? <laughs> I, I see a turtle question. <laughs> Modesty goes out the window. <laughs> but you know, you look at the interesting thing here. Right was where we see the first charge of somebody actually. And uh, when Moses awoke, when he woke from his wine yeah. and what his sons had done to him. Yeah. yeah that, Ooh, no. I'm not going to go there. Wait, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the context. Mm, yeah. That is highly speculative. Yes. But nonetheless, uh, who, who, you know, that's interesting because the charge went to the sun. Right. But old uh, Noah was out of his gourd. Uh, you know, he should bear some responsibility there. There you go. If I walk out yes. naked, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, you shouldn't have walked out of your house. If you didn't want that to happen to you, don't walk around naked. Well, you know what? That's probably <laughs> one of my biggest phobias. Uh, you know, you, you hear you, you hear all the time of somebody out of their head. You know, most of the time it's because of drugs. But, you know, people, older people get seen on stuff running around naked. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. that's the first one. You see somebody naked, something is not right. Right. You, you, In their head. You act like that's a problem, Jody. What the <laughs> hell? No. That's... <laughs> wow. So, so we, we've got all these negative verses that we've been fed over the years, and, and, and we all come from a variety of church traditions, but I also look at Psalm 104, 14 through 15. Yes. And it said, God said, I mean, this is a psalm. I don't know if, I don't think it's David, but uh, it's it's basically a church hymn. You cause the grass to grow, you meaning God, cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, mm -hmm. that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to what? Gladden. Get everybody sloppy drunk? No. Nope. To gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Mm. So, actually, when you have a hard scrabble life, yeah. a little, an afternoon toddy is kind of God's saying way, you know. You are good. Relax. Well, one toddy, brother. There one you go. <laughs> All right. What did Benjamin well, Franklin say? <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> there you go. So, what do you guys have? I mean, that's spot on. <laughs> I mean, well, in and of itself, there's there's nothing wrong with alcohol. 
as a reward, whatever, for a long day work. Didn't the, Jesus turn water into wine? He did. Yes, he did. And, and the good stuff, too, I might add. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but when the man's doing it to the point of drunkenness yeah. or taking money for that when he lacks food for the family. Oh, yes, exactly. Or anything along those lines. Well, that it, is when I think God used it upon sinful. Well, it, it, and now I, I don't know the exact uh, uh, scripture, but I did get a quote here. Um, did, did a quick little search here. Let me pull it up here. And it said on there, who, uh, uh, and, and I'll just paraphrase it, you know, uh, whoever does sin uh, is a slave to sin. And, yep. and, and people people think of that uh you know i gotta have a drink or i gotta have a cigarette or i, I, I gotta earlier, you know uh you, you know we, we've become addicted and i hate to use the word addicted right here when it's more more habit forming on there and uh and the the tobacco from today and the the drinks that are that are obviously made today tend to be a little bit more potent on there um, what's the difference between a habit and an addiction well yeah. no. I, I, I have a habit of get, getting up at 5.30 every morning. That's a habit. Okay. Okay. I don't, uh, uh, I have an addiction. But we're, when we're involving alcohol, tobacco, right. Right. or drugs, what's see, the difference between a habit and an addiction? See, it's, 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 How it's, the individual sees it, probably. Yeah. yeah probably yeah. in there. I think, I, I, I think once it turns, turns into an addiction on there, it, it, it becomes, um, could one argue if it's done every day, it's an addiction? Not, not, not necessarily every day, but when it when it becomes all all inclusive on there. When, when and what I mean by that is, I it, eat every day, but I don't have a food addiction. The, or do I? You might if you slap eating. out the uh, twelve little debbies there. I know if I don't eat, what you're eating. <laughs> but, but <laughs> you don't drink, you die. So, so what? So we can all agree at the point of drunkenness, and or it taking from your family that's when it crosses into sin okay aside I, from that is it sin i think it's even even a little bit before that i think once it starts changing your your perception on there you know well let's put I, it like this if i can have rather a, have a drink i can have read the bible well, that's probably a problem right i i can have a couple of drinks and i can feel those couple of drinks on there uh but I wouldn't be drunk on there. Now, if I drank a whole bottle of uh, Jameson or a Jack or whatever, you know, I got I I can't remember what I did the night before, you know. So th there's that finally. I think I think if, if it changes your perception, well, could have said anything that alters the mind Amen. that would prevent us from being able to worship God with all our heart. Anything mind, that separates soul. us from God, you know, that's is a excellent. I have something. I've got anything God's that separates word, us from God. God. Is it oh, there's plenty of God's word oh, on this. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. I just had it. Hang on. Romans just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. Let's go to Leviticus. Speaking of preachers and churches and drunk. Leviticus chapter 10, <clears throat> verse, verse 9 and 10. Do not drink wine or strong drink. That's the uh, yin yes. or the shimar. Neither you nor your sons with you. Now, with the context, this is God talking to Aaron. The priests, okay, the Levitical priests. Do not drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generations, and so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane, and between the clean and the unclean, and so as to teach the son of Israel mm -hmm. all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them through Moses. Now, prior to that, when you are not on duty... You can toot it up. But when you are serving me, the only spirit you need to be under the it's influence the of spirit. is the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay, now that's Old Testament. Know ye not that you're in the temple of the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. You are where the Holy Spirit resides. Okay. So that, you know, in the conversations you, have, you and I have had on the phone in the past with different denominational views, the ones that take the really staunch don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew 
are the ones that say, hey, I'm defiling yeah, my, the temple. Yeah, my, my, my body's a temple. Yeah. On Which a... is kind of going in line to what okay. you're reading in Leviticus. I've got an answer for it that. Is. Okay. Let, let's, go to, let's go to Numbers chapter right. 28, verse 3 through 8. This is the daily sacrifice, yep. which what happened in the temple right. daily, hence the term daily sacrifice. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel and say to them, off my offering, my food for my food offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. And you shall say to them, this is the food offering mm -hmm. that you shall offer to the Lord every day. Two every day I put in there, but two male lambs a year old without blemish, day by day as a regular offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other you shall offer at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering. Here we go, mixed with a quarter of a hen of beaten oil. It is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Its drink offering shall be a quarter of a hen for each lamb. In the holy place, the holy place, you shall pour out a drink. Well, we apologize. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. So I hope the, yeah. <laughs> we'll try to meld the, the two together. But I, I, uh, I didn't mean to spill uh, spill my beer. Sorry. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> bottom line, we were discussing in Deuteronomy, the, tw the 14th chapter and in Numbers and God talks about the, how, how you're supposed to use the tithe. You mm -hmm. just didn't bring it to him and dump it in the church. Right. What you're supposed to do is to bring it to him and then cook, make a feast and eat it before him right. with thanksgiving and gladness in his temple, not at some place, not at the pub in the church. And that includes tooting it up with wine and strong drink. And oh, by the way, don't forget about the priest because he doesn't have any fields or land. So invite him too. Mm. Drinking, buddy. Drink. Just, just don't get the priest juiced up. <laughs> just don't get the priest juiced up. Now, I have been at quite a few Catholic weddings. I have too. And uh, the, the priest liberally uh, a taste of the of the vintage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I always I've, I've been I've been to several uh, several Catholic services and uh, where we've taken taken communion and and you know if, if you'll notice on there as they're uh, filling the, the chalice up on there, you know. At the very end, after they do it on there, he, he's going to finish it off. Well, it's because it's, it's dedicated I know. to God. It's I know, I know. But, you know, you'd be, little shot glasses there would have worked like a Methodist there. So anyway, uh, we <laughs> were Methodist. Yeah, go into that yeah, well, conversation. Well, so if, if, if it's okay to give a drink offering of strong drink, in other words, pouring out your Jameson in the holy place as an offering to God, if that was okay and God required that in the daily offering, then why do we have such hives with, well, we got to have Welch's grape juice. We, we, we don't want to bring alcohol in the church. Why, why do we break out in hives? The social ills connected. Cultural. Yeah. Yeah. Cultural number one and number two is we have proven ourselves as human beings not to be able to. We're not responsible. Not to control ourselves. Yeah. So thus, yes, we, we overindulge. And I'm going to say it's because it, we, as much as we try to be respectable and non-weird, Methodists can't get rid of the holiness aspect of, of our founding. What makes us Methodists is not only we try to follow rules, we try to carry those rules out, not only between us and God, but between us and uh, our fellow uh, man. Yeah, right. and, and if I do something, if I'm doing something that John is struggling with and if i know that and if i they do it right hard. in front of him that's not holiness right and that's, so i call it sinful it's it right and and so i you know we try to want to run away from it but at the end we're holiness people and and that's why we get the hives that's why we have found it better over our 300 almost 300 year history to keep the hooch out of the church mm. for that reason and the tobacco mm. i don't think there's many churches where you can smoke in and not that it's evil or <laughs> sinful, but it's just, uh, yeah, we, we won't go there. Well, but, uh, you know, getting back to something that John uh, brought up earlier, that, you know, what Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out. Right. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's it. 
So do we have any, uh, before we leave this little topic, do we have any, uh, any other uh, last uh, words of wisdom before we move on to the evil weed oh. of the 19th century? Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it evil? Well, that's oh. what they call it. Yeah. The anti-smokers. <laughs> Anti-tobaccos. Uh, Smoke and cheat it now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Moving right along. Two dip. Okay, so what, let me ask you this, August panel. Sure. What does the Bible say about tobacco use? Zip, zip, zip. How about nothing? Absolutely, positively nothing. Now, yeah, I looked. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, God made tobacco. It. Well, there you go. Who made tobacco? Uh, God, absolutely. You can say the same thing about marijuana. Uh, there's absolutely. That's exactly right. You can say the same yep. thing. And marijuana hasn't. Well, it is now. That's the argument it's it's genetically well. modified to be extra strong. strong extra there, well, but uh, well, no different. Well, we've done that to our we, we've done that to our corn on there. My thing is, though, you know, you can go back to Genesis uh, chapter whatever uh, one twenty seven or twenty nine. I give you every seed bearing plant on yes, the face I, of the whole I've earth. I've got that. I got that. <laughs> now here's the thing. That is for the consumption, you know, for the feeding of your physical body. I don't see that actual inhaling smoke is beneficial. But with that being said, well, you know, you, uh, you, you, cool to the Europeans. I, I'm sure Sir the, Walter Raleigh thought it was. I'm nice. sure the devil said, "Here, try this." Well, you, you, know, you won't get addicted to it. Not at all. No. Put nicotine in it. Wait a minute. But no. you will laugh your butt off. No. You know. Well, let me. You know, here's the thing. I try to look, being the meth nerd that I am. I try to look. And I found a little bit of history. One of the rules for John Wesley's class meetings was this, quote, to use no needless self-indulgence, such as taking snuff or tobacco, unless prescribed by a physician. I like that. You remember, you, you remember, I don't know how widely the rule was enforced within British Methodism, but it didn't always make the cut in American expressions of yeah. Methodism. You know what was so funny? I... I, I... He was a practicing physician, wasn't he? In, well, in, in, John in, Wesley wrote a pr yeah. primitive physique. He, he <laughs> helped. Yeah, it probably killed as many people as it has. He's probably put leeches on somebody. Some wild there. stuff That's in there. It. Anyway, John, what were you going to No, say? I was going to say early, early in our uh, medical history on there, you know, these, these doctors in the in the uh, 20s and 30s on there and 40s would uh, would uh, prescribe uh, smoking menthol cigarettes to, uh, to help with the, the lung issues. Well, I find that somewhat comical. Famous guy. Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon smoked yeah. cigars every day because yeah. he said it allowed him to speak with clarity and and yeah, yeah. Mm. He was an avid, avid cigar smoker. And that, here's some more stuff that you might want to. You ever heard of a guy named Old William Otterbein? I have. No. You have. I have. I can't remember okay. where I've heard from him. He but was I a know German immigrant in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Dutch, as they call it. Ah, there's nothing right. wrong with him then. Well, well brethren. <laughs> William Otterbein got saved under the preaching of a Methodist circuit rider, and he started. United he was brethren. the the Evangelical United Brethren. That's where Church. I knew him from. And William Otterbein, all his years of ministry, who also spent time and was a secretary of Francis Asbury, yes. Bishop Asbury, mm -hmm. smoked a pipe mm -hmm. all the time. Now, Otterbein, as we know, was one of the, the, the founders of the, of the EUB, which merged with the Methodist Church to become the United Methodist Church. And it's interesting, it was common for people, including clergy within the UAB or UEB Church, to smoke. I don't know whether this was limited to certain eras or regions, but I do know it was common at some point in parts of Pennsylvania and the Northeast. Now, here's another thing. We all heard of Methodist camp meetings, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, check this out. One of the issues in the history of camp meetings had to do with the sale of cigars. Mm. I, I, I like cigars. I, just, I, I, I like them. Yeah. I like so, so here's the thing. The issue was not whether cigars should be sold or smoked on camp meeting grounds. The issue was whether cigars should be sold on Sundays. The concern was not the use of the tobacco, but doing business wow. on the Sabbath. Here it gets. Here's, here's the money shot. Here's your legal here's the money shot. Some pastors argued for Sunday sales 
catch this, because they claimed they did not make enough money to buy a two-day supply of cigars on Saturday. That right there pretty much tells me that they were over. There was some huffing and puffing yeah. going on in the camp meeting, wow. let me tell you. Sounds like an old blue law right there. Don't wow. That's Things you don't learn in Methodist studies. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. So I have no idea where they got the extra money to buy cigars between Saturday, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday and, and Sunday Saturday Monday night, there, yeah. whatever. Now, one other hysterical stupidity. Uh, there's a history of the Foundry Church, uh, which is now not very Methodist, but we'll go on. It's a very old church in the in the the old Baltimore Annual Conference. And in 1831, the annual conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church meeting at Foundry passed a resolution. Ryan outlawing the spitting of chewing tobacco what? on the floors and in the pulpit of our church. I ain't never spit in the floor of the church. <laughs> You're going to be defrocked. Pastors, defrocked. <laughs> Pastors <laughs> in the pulpit were apparently among those chewing tobacco and spitting it. Otherwise, that. why would spitting have been specifically prohibited in the pulpit? Now, can you imagine preacher and bang, bang, right right in, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of church? That would be funny. A good book, Tuesday night, but with a bottle. <laughs> you know what? You, you, you know what? The the funniest skits I've ever seen on Saturday Night Live was was uh, was the, the chewing tobacco plane. You know, these, these people saved up money to go on this particular flight because it was the only chewing tobacco wow. flight. And these guys were were spitting this brown goo everywhere. everywhere. It was the funniest thing I ever seen. Wow. I mean, it was really hilarious. So can you imagine? I mean, you know, yes, we, I we have, can. We have our we have our we think we know what our forebears you know they were straight laced and they didn't take any crap if we went back at that time we would be shocked yes we would. at what they did and they would be shocked you know why that at is what we do they're human that's right there's the they were human yeah, we are human and it's funny how they didn't have the luxury of, deer, of carrying around yeah. a 12, 16 ounce plastic spit cup. That's right. On there. And they're so, out in yeah. nature. They're rotting. You know. So. Well, yeah, actually, you don't need to spit in the well, church. Okay, we're going back to that. We're going back to that. Little, That's a good point. little water on the floor, mop it up. Well, I'm back first. You think about this. I know you've seen this because you did. You know, a lot of times people will use the same old thing over and over and over, yeah. especially in their vehicles and stuff. Yep. And sometimes there'll be little gnats start flying. Oh, yeah. oh, it's nasty. Well, you it know is. why cuspidors are made out of brass, right? What's that? Cuspidors. Spittoons. Yes. Made out of brass so they don't rust. Because yeah. mm -hmm. they were rarely right. yeah, emptied. One time. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst thing. You know, uh, <laughs> falling after a sun, like the dip. And he'd leave stuff sitting there where it always seemed to get knocked over. Yes. Uh, now, you know, imagine you were talking about spittoons on aircraft. You know, yeah. imagine the turbulence oh, yeah. <laughs> and the potential for uh, man-caused disasters on the, uh, on the airplane there. But you know what? Speaking of aircraft, Let's... if you do happen to get into turbulence, if you do happen to get to shake, rattle, and roll at 35,000 feet. Let me guess. Let me guess. You're, you're probably going to be very interested in the structural integrity of your airframe. <laughs> I, I was just, or lack thereof. I was just going to say, did you uh, rivet down the spittoon well, in between the you aisles? You know what? If they would put a flange on there, it could be done. <laughs> That's right. But I digress. I know who's got the tools to do There you go. Should you want to rivet it, your spittoon? It, it's our friends down in Texas. Isn't That's, it? Right. All right. That's right. Just put it on a gimbal. Okay. That way, whichever the attitude of the there aircraft, it's always level right. on there. There you, there you go. go. I like well, that. you want to call those great guys. They are good. Those cool dudes at Innovative Tooling Services. These guys have fastening systems, installation tooling knowledge. They have application experience. I mean, that's why they're the leading edge of gimbaled spittoons for aircraft. There, there's nothing worse than having a loose spittoon on oh, an aircraft. It's terrible. It. Terrible. And, and, you know, you curve it in to keep that backsplash from going. Right. If you oh. suddenly drop you know, right. a little bit, everybody goes, <gasps> Like that when, when that happens. But that's, anyway. That's when the oxygen bags come down. That, <laughs> my favorite thing is if we should have a loss of cabin pressure, yeah. please pull down yeah. the mask and breathe normally. <laughs> Who in the devil is going to breathe normally mm. when you lose your oxygen? I mean, come on. Especially if you're fixing the meat cheese. Well, yes. if, 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 it was I mean, full, if it was full of hooch on there, you wouldn't mind so much. That's now. true. Too. That's right. Well, anyway. <laughs> 
contact them, please. Yes. Not none of these guys. Yes. Yes. At uh, 1-800-832-7009. Did I put an extra zero in there? You might have. Let's try it again. 1-800-832-7009. Or look them up on the World Wide Web at InnovativeTooling.com. And we'll be back. Okay, we're back. So now we've moved from alcohol to tobacco, and now we're going the evil weed of the 20th. The, the devil of lettuce? That's right. So what do we think? John laughs as at old jokes. He's I do. Jokes. Yeah, yeah. The most bad he, joke in person I've ever seen in my life. Like, all the time. It cracks me up. You it know does. how many different names they have for marijuana? Are you on weed right now, John? Are you smoking marijuana? <laughs> Why is your eyes bloodshot? That's right. I, mean, I, I, I just took communion either. is why. No. <laughs> so what does the Bible, what, what do we want to extrapolate from God's word about intoxicating drugs? Let's just go. What, what's the difference <laughs> if, if it both of and, if uh, alcohol and weed both impair the system six and why, one is one, the why is one accepted and one is well that's cultural i was gonna say uh okay. we're, we're we're seeing it now do you, do you believe the obeying the laws of the land do i believe in obeying the laws of the land yes okay so one Unless, is legal in the United States. Yes, one's legal. One is exactly slowly becoming illegal, exactly. but not all legal yet. Exactly. So is that? So Greg, so does that make it okay? Is that what we're asking? California, wow. I can burn a joint while you drink a uh, a shot of whiskey, and we're both legal. That's correct. I but can't. Oh, okay. When I start losing the faculty of mind, and I start. Well, that's that's the key. That and when you right start there. getting your buzz, then that's when we probably went too far. That's right. I mean, if we're going to be consistent, yeah, we have to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. The only difference between the two is the U.S. legality, right? In my opinion, that's why here's 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 the problem. I don't really need two intoxicants in my life. Here's the problem that you have. Okay, Uh, your tolerance and my tolerance are totally different. Yes. Okay. So so as 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 uh, probably uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, You know, uh, and and, pastoral confession. And and, and, and as we add to that that amount on there, so so does our 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 poor judgment on there. You know, because I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk on there. You know, and and I can't tell you how many uh duis that we have uh, uh that we deal with on a daily basis well, I'm sure. on there. but if you go in in the states that have legalized marijuana yes, the marijuana intoxication sir. laws have exceeded the right. alcohol laws on my there. son is a recent resident of colorado you know, uh, yes and lives in california which is equally bad there you go but what he so said right there, is the there. number one response or state troopers and police are recreational people yeah. eating edibles, not realizing how only, potent, how strong it yeah, is, and they literally strong. think they're gonna die. They've got yeah. the bed spins. They are yeah. so oh, it doesn't. It takes out. forever to metabolize. Yes. So, and then they eat it on an empty stomach. Yeah, oh yeah. It's even worse. Oh. And and you're you right. Know. The number one it, now driving under the influence not alcohol but has slowly exceeded now 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 let's talk about scientific here marijuana does have science science uh marijuana has a lot of medical benefits you know especially dealing with uh, epileptics on there they have found that the 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 chemical components in marijuana have helped reduce the the number of uh, epileptic uh, uh, seizures seizures that they've had so, and here's an interesting thing. Who who do you think has the most patents on marijuana? Probably the United States. The government. United States government. Um, That's exactly right. <laughs> You're right. But, you know, I can also shift that to say that there's health benefits for opiates as well. For yes. those dealing with chronic pain and stuff, that it has a place as well. But we are the ones that take things to the extreme. Right. And, and the, the problem is... and, and well, Hold on a second. Hold, hold, hold on a second. Now, now the opioids, yes, 
they, they were developed, but I do think the manufacturers uh, of, of like the oxys. Oh, they hooded people. Yeah. They, they purposely made it as addictive as it is on there. On there. I firmly believe that. I don't think that, that when they created that, they thought, well, this is a good painkiller. Uh, well, well, I, mean, that's I, I disagree with that because when morphine was developed, it was looked on as a godsend mm-hmm. because they didn't have it in World War One. Right. They did in World War II. Yep. Big difference because a lot yep. of people died of shock because they were hurting so bad. Yep. Right. And morphine keeps you from dying of shock mm-hmm. when you're yep. previously wounded. So I'll say that. The Apostle Paul. Oh, you're about I mean, to go right to where I'm going. Well, probably not. But he said it right in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their, uh, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. That sounds like holiness. And yeah. I'm going to piggyback on that with 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So I'm the same chapter and all. We're pretty close. One Corinthians. And this is the way that I feel about things as far as alcohol, as far as drugs, as far as whatever goes. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory Mm, of God. I cannot do all to the glory of God if my mind is altered in any way. By any substance. Again, that's taking you away from God. Yes. Under, and that's anything. It, it doesn't have to be uh, drugs I mean, I or alcohol. Or... I'm smoking this joint in the name of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You well, know, that's speaking of which, they've Charles got... Haddon Spurgeon, when, was con- when he was confronted by Smoke. Dwight Moody when he went to London. Yeah. And they said, how can you smoke cigars? You being to a man of God? of God. He said, I smoke cigars to the glory of God. <laughs> yeah. Here, God, take one. You know, it's Sorry, all, it's all in, we, there's many different opinions on this stuff as there are people. I think though, as human beings, we have a problem limiting ourselves. We do. We have a problem with, you know, we like to self-indulge. Because again, the human body creates resistance. Yeah. Yep. So you got to do more. To get the same. That sounds just like the history of a, any of, drug of, of a drug addict period. right there. You know what? Drugs are good. Drugs drugs make people. I mean, yes, they, they are. are they help. And they help people. Even the bad ones, right? Make people feel great. Yes. I mean, they do. They destroy lives, but they make people feel great. The key is to be in right relationship with Jesus That's Christ. Exactly right. To be led by the Holy Spirit and to deny one's desires of those things. Like we have to deny our flesh, like period. And that can only come through a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. I agree with that. And we have to get that level of self-denial. And you know, this is not, and just like we it's said at the beginning, it, this is not an advocacy for the use of drugs. It's no. not an advocacy for smoking no. or drinking or chewing or whatever. It's just where as as followers of Jesus Christ, where how, how do we look at these things in a biblical way? Because there's only one view for us, and that is the Christian worldview. Anything else, any viewpoint that is not Christ-centric is going to get us off the beaten path. Yes. Right? And just like Pastor Ryan said, it's 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 not good. A relationship with Jesus Christ puts everything in its proper perspective. I would agree with that. Would, would you, John? I would. Okay. You know, I, I'm 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 not a proponent of 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 uh, the situation that our country is in now. You know, in we're passing laws that encourage, you know, uh, like Oregon, like, like in Portland. Yeah. You know, where you know you can sit there and shoot up heroin in the middle of the street and not be arrested. That's you know, and I and I think that sends a very wrong message on there, you know. Uh, and as Christ followers on there, I think it is our duty to, to try to help those people that that are in that situation, you know. So the question is, how do we do that effectively, showing God's love, that agape, and be beneficial to them? while getting them off those those illicit drugs on there 
Should we put more money and more effort in legislation? No, we should put more or money and more evangelization. Yeah, you, you can't go. legislate morality. No. No, no well, we, we do you, all the time. You cannot. Andy. No, we think we do. Well, right. There's, we pass it, laws. Yes. But well, you, you, know, you, you know, here, here, here's the question, okay? You know, I, I think it's a, it's a shame to see someone that has an ounce of marijuana and get sent to prison for 20 years. Agree with that. You know, you know, but our prison system is not designed to rehabilitate. Our prison system is designed to. to well, they used to call them penitentiaries in the late lock. 19th and early 20th century. Mm -hmm. And then they found out it really doesn't work without no. some type of transformative spiritual deal. Re Re Reformation does not work. It cannot be forced upon the enemy. No. But at what point, at what point do do strictly punishment now? You know, and that's why it's so important for Kairos and other prison ministries. Right. That's the only thing that has been proven to reduce recidivism, getting for inmates going out, coming back in, going out, coming back in. Once they know, once they've had a transformative event with Christ in their life and Inside they truly out. can change their ways, that gets them out of the joint. For good. You know, what what truly has to shape our worldview on this whole situation is John Wesley set out three little things, right? Three main points. Do no harm, correct? Some things you say do me harm. Huh? So, that's only because you're offended. <laughs> Words hurt. Words hurt. <laughs> Go to Oregon. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to do no harm is one big key thing. Okay, and that includes self-harm. Yep. Right. When we are doing things to harm our bodies, be it alcohol, be it tobacco, be it illegal drugs or, or legal drugs for that matter, we're doing harm. We're breaking that. And then to boot, we have to look at the current state of our, our, our society, our world that we live in right now, our country that we live in right now. We have a drug problem. Yep. A we have an alcohol drug. problem. Yes, yes. And if we're not part of the solution, we're part of the problem. Could be part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. but now, now our government allows uh, our, our government allows uh, drugs to come into this country. Believe it or not, because it is a multi multi billion dollar industry. Both the bringing in of drugs and the the criminal aspect of preventing them to come in. Okay, so the government's spending money, making money with drug czars and so forth, and not really getting a, a huge ROI. Okay, so, so just, just let it all come in. That, no, sounds a lot. That is why it, 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 it is. That it, is why, independent of whatever our government does, relationships are important for us right. to forge with people. Yes, and it's only through personal relationship with people that this is ever going to change. People having but our government limits Jesus that too. Christ. Our, our, our government limits that. I I, no. I, I, I I agree with Ryan. The only way to stem this is to stop the person wanting the drug right and yeah the only way you do that is through reformation Absolutely. spiritual reformation of the heart and we have got to be uh, that this whole our view no matter if we're for drugs or alcohol or whatever the case may be until we get more people believing in jesus christ again we're going to continue on with having a problem you know john wesley in his time you were using that phrase you know one in every i think five or six homes was or buildings in in britain was an alehouse mm -hmm. and that was looked upon as a scourge and only because of the great 18th century revivals in england did that stop the parliament could have passed all kinds of laws it would have done anything because public drunkenness was a crime in england yep. in the 18th century and everybody was drunk. Yeah. So the only thing that changed that dynamic was changing hearts yeah. through the message of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And that's the only thing that works. You know, it, 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 it's kind of funny, though, uh, looking at society and, and drinking. And I can remember our, our home in Texas. We had uh, uh, we had they a nice, homes in Texas. They did. Oh. Uh, yeah, a couple of them. And uh, we, we had this thing called a Presbyterian bar. Okay. Do you, do you know what that is? Okay. So when your Presbyterian friends were over, you would close the door to this bar. And then when they left, you would open 
this bar and it, it was a well-stocked uh, yeah, uh concealment. that's exactly what it is so you know concealed we're we're I just thought since it was a Presbyterian bar, you locked it up to keep it from taking. <laughs> yes, yes, Brian. I'll get say this: your this hand is, up. This is the final thing I'll say on this whole matter, and I'm gonna link it back in with the United Methodist Church, and I'll be done with. I it. got. I, I do have one question no, for you, though. I, I do have one question for you, though. What's your question? Okay, you know, you, you said the, the the three statements from from uh wesley and is do no harm and, and you also said do no uh, harm do good well okay so the do no harm love god okay uh, if if i am a uh a, a partaker no. of adult libation on there and jody over here from the united baptist pentecostal free I'm range, already whatever, you, to you know uh you know he he in his view i i am doing harm judgment yeah with you know yes. and medically even if i had a glass of wine medically they said the the tangents in the wine are beneficial yeah. uh and tangents. Uh, is it tangents or I don't know. Uh, a part but of the role anyways anyways there there there, there are scientific uh proof that wine can be beneficial okay. yes. it can be yeah and and so john yeah there's also scripture that says uh that if i take offense as your brother that you should not exercise these things in front of me that's why we have presbyterian bars out there i'm gonna i'm gonna be contrarian uh, I, I think sometimes we can weaponize the weaker sure brother, we can oh doctrine. yeah, yeah. You can I'll just leave it there. You, That's you, for a different you, podcast. You can you yeah. can weaponize a recovering brother too. You uh, can, and you got to be careful of that okay. on there. And I think maybe that's part of the the Methodist thing. That's why. I, and and I would well, that's part. That's a big part of the you know, Methodist thing. The Methodist stance is no, uh, according to the Book of Discipline. Anyway, the Methodist stance is against all three. I just I just think that, but we can't. The, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I just think that. We ought to focus on that. There's so much wrong with modern Wesleyanism now. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. let's get the 80% that really need strengthening, buttressing, form it, forming, just accountable to sign, all the things like that. And then if we want to make fine tune it statements yeah. like, downrange, uh, that's for the next generation and the next generation. But I think that by God's word, I think God says, as long as you don't allow it to control you, as long as you're controlled by my Holy Spirit and nothing yes, else, and that's key. you are free to that do is what key. you want. Okay. Well, yes. there's scripture to back that. And that yes, yes, there is. There is, absolutely. But you, I, let's, I will say this, and I'll leave it at this. You know, uh, if as brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, this does not apply to the unchurched, obviously, but if we if we use uh, Philippians four eight as our guideline, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, mm-hmm. whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You can't hardly do that after your second or third drink or your smoke, because all of a sudden you start thinking with that carnal mind, and that little old gal in the corner, she gets extra cute. Or, you know, I, I don't care, whatever. The, so the point is, if we filter our drink through this verse so we know that we're not going to get to that point that our thought process is not pure, then we're okay. So it's, it really is. It's just about overindulgence. Right. Well, Jody, that's a good way yeah, to end this uh, uh, discussion. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed well, it. I, I think it's been I, pretty good. I think it's great having Jody back for a little bit here. Absolutely. On there. Absolutely. So as we end the podcast, you can find this episode and other Across the Rail podcast episodes on popular platforms like Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Yes. If you listen on iTunes, please take time to give us a five-star rating. That's five stars. Five stars. Not, not four. four. That's right. Five. Not six. Five. If you have questions on this or any other episode, please send your comments to John, especially the jeers, at comments at acrosstherail.com or look up Across the Rail podcast on the Twitters by our handle at across underscore rail and on Facebook at Across the Rail podcast. Please give us a like there and leave any feedback or questions. Thank you for your questions. 
thank you, our international listeners. I don't know if y'all can oh. parse this uh, southeastern uh, lingo we all have here, but uh, thank you for listening. I think uh, beer is universal. Beer, beer. Yeah. Well, Benjamin Franklin, founder of our, <laughs> our father, said, "Beer is proof that God loves us." That's exactly us right. That's right. So we'll end at that. Who wants to pray us out? Let's let Jody pray us out since you're a special guest on okay. there. Well, Father God, thank you that uh, we can come together, Lord. We can come together lighthearted, but yet remain serious, Lord. Uh, we can uh, agree to disagree, Lord, on things that are not, uh, you know, offensive <laughs> by the uh, light of your word, Lord. And uh, Lord knows everybody's got an opinion. That seems to be the problem. The more opinions, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it, it's just hard for us all to get our act together, Father. But uh, I would ask that uh, you grant the Westland movement, Lord, the uh, fortitude to uh, press through, think on those things, Lord, that are noble. Lord, what is righteous to stand up for the right things and uh, not get lost in the personal preferences because, God, we admit and we know that our opinion matters none at all against your word. And so let your word remain and let our opinions subside in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well said.